Well, good morning, everyone. I want to start by saying that our government is aware and watching events taking place across the world today. We're monitoring the situation in Alberta closely following the terrorist group Hamas and their calls for acts of violence around the world today. And we ask for peace and safety in these very troubling times. Now to the news of the day. If you believe in fairness, common sense, and the sanctity of the Canadian Constitution, today is a great day. We are extremely pleased with the Supreme Court of Canada's decision confirming the unconstitutionality of the federal government's Destructive Impact Assessment Act. This legislation, also known as the No More Pipelines Act, but I've been calling it the Don't Build Anything Anywhere Act, is an existential threat to Alberta's economy. It is already responsible for the loss of tens of billions of dollars in investment and thousands of jobs across the country in many economic sectors. Today's ruling represents an opportunity for all provinces to stop that bleeding, rebuild investor confidence, and attract those jobs back into our economies. And today, I am pleased to see, uh, pleased to say that Alberta is once again open for business. The court ruled that the act and regulations are unconstitutional and reaffirmed the, that the primary jurisdiction of non-renewable natural resource development is the sole jurisdiction of the provinces. And the court also ruled that they do not apply to activities that primarily fall under provincial jurisdiction, including conventional oil and gas, oil sands, hard rock mining, and other similar non-renewable resource development. These are substantial wins for the protection of provincial rights in our Constitution. The legislation gives the federal government almost unlimited power to intervene in the approval of virtually any major project or in any part of the country and for any reason. Businesses agree with us. Six other provinces, as well as First Nations, who joined as interveners, NGOs, and Canadians from across the country who made their voices heard. And today, so does the Supreme Court of Canada. And we will continue to fight against Ottawa's unfair overreach that continues with their uninformed and unrealistic electricity regulations and oil and gas emissions cap. They uh, will damage our economy, they will stifle development, they will erode constitutional rights, and they will ultimately harm all Canadians by putting jobs at risk and making life more expensive. Alberta will simply not accept being handcuffed by Ottawa's unfair overreach with another blatant attempt to erode and emasculate the rights of constitutional authority of the provinces as equal and sovereign orders of government. Today's decision significantly strengthens our legal position as we work to protect Albertans and all Canadians from federal intrusion into our provincial jurisdiction, and we will continue partnering with willing provinces, First Nations, and other allies in fighting unconstitutional federal overreach using any and all legal means available to us, and this includes potentially introducing a motion under Alberta's sovereignty within the United Canada Act. I would like to thank the provinces, First Nations, business groups, NGOs, and others who stood with us. And... Uh, stood for all Canadians. I would also like to thank former Premier Jason Kenney, who tirelessly fought back against federal overreach during his term as Premier. I hope that Ottawa will learn from this mistake. Now today, Minister of Environment and Climate Change Stephen Gibault, the Minister of Energy and Natural Resources Jonathan Wilkinson, responded to this historic decision upholding the rights of provinces to develop their resources. They tried to position this as a win. It is not. They confirmed their plans to bring legislation back to Parliament to amend it. Clearly, they simply aren't listening. Guibault uh, does not seem to acknowledge how badly he lost 
And Wilkinson, I heard him say that he hopes that this is the last time that we end up going to court. Well, there's one way to assure that. They need to drop their clean electricity regulations and they need to drop their emissions cap. That will be the way that we can assure that we can come to the table and work together. The entire reason we ended up in the Supreme Court was because the federal government acted illegally. They ignored the provinces. They ignored the Senate. And they ignored the many partners who have opposed this unconstitutional law all along. And creating the, the uncertainty that led to the withdrawal of projects like Tech's Frontier Mine that would have brought $20.6 billion in investment and thousands of jobs across the country. Enough is enough. It is time for Ottawa to stop legislating in provincial jurisdiction and work with us on shared goals. And that's why we call on the federal government to learn from the Supreme Court's decision that their ongoing efforts to seize regulatory control over the electricity grid and natural resource sectors of the provinces is unconstitutional and it's illegal. They do not have the right to thwart the economy, livelihoods and future of any Albertans or any Canadians. Instead, we once again invite them to come back to the table in good faith and work with Alberta to align our mutual efforts on 2050 reductions targets for emissions and the development of our uh, electricity grid and our world-class energy sector to make life better for all Albertans. We hope today's decision provides an opportunity for a reset in the ongoing federal-provincial discussions on these issues because today we celebrate this important decision and we will confer continue protecting our constitution, responsibly managing our resources, protecting the environment, and making life better for all Albertans and indeed for all Canadians. Thank you, and I'd be happy to take questions. Thank you. We'll uh, start off with questions here in the room. We'll go with one question, one follow-up. If you want to make your way to the mic, and Emma, you have the floor. That person was tall. Um, <laughs> Hi, Emma Graney with the Globe and Mail. Now, specific to the Impact Assessment Act, Ottawa is planning to rewrite the law, as they kind of have to do now. Um, what do you want to say to the feds about what it should do now, what it should put in the Impact Assessment Act based on the ruling? Look, I recognize that the federal government has jurisdiction over cross-border projects. I recognize that even though we have our differences on things like cross-border transmission lines and cross-border pipelines, we, we, uh, have, we would like to see more of those approved, but I recognize that is their constitutional jurisdiction, and we have never um, uh, attempted to override or suggest that they don't have the right to make those, uh, those kind of decisions. Where they went so wrong, though, is they presumed to step into our jurisdiction by trying to make decisions on major projects that fall completely, 100%, within Alberta borders, and which we have historically always had the right to make decisions over. So that's the part of the act that needs to be removed. We'll continue to work with them on trying to get cross-border transmission and, and cross-border pipelines built, but they should not play cute on this. The, the, federal or the Supreme Court of Canada was very clear that the Constitution matters, the sections of the Act, Section 92, they should reread them again so that they can see that we have the exclusive jurisdiction over natural resource development and the exclusive jurisdiction over electricity development, and they should make sure that they honour that. And so when it comes to them, governments aren't known for moving super quickly sometimes. Are you concerned as a government at all that in resulting possible delays, because they are going to have to rejig some things here and what that might mean 
for Alberta's economy and what can you do as a provincial government to try and limit the impacts there on potential developments in Alberta? As I said, we're open for business. We'll uh, ask for people who have uh, been delayed in making uh, project approvals or project submissions. Start now because we're going to approve them. We have the constitutional authority to do it and they can, um, they can bring their laws into alignment with what the Supreme Court has decided. But we have always contended that the constitution matters, that our jurisdiction matters, and we're going to proceed full steam ahead. Thank you. And we'll go to next with the mic. Go ahead, Sean. Sean Polzer, Western Standard. Uh, you're obviously listening to the presser with uh, Wilkinson and uh, Minister Jabot this morning. Um, Minister Wilkinson made a comment that uh, the federal government had been acting in good faith, and he pointed to the energy roundtables as an example. And I'm um, just wondering um, how that would apply to the clean electricity regulations and also the impending uh, emissions cap. We have a table with the federal government to align their interests with the 2050 emissions reduction target to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. And they have not been acting in good faith because every other week we hear an announcement from Stephen Guibault that he wants to go outside that table discussion wants to have more aggressive emissions reduction caps on methane, wants to have a cap on oil and gas emissions, wants to bring through a net zero uh, electricity grid by 2035. All of those are unconstitutional. They need to align themselves with our 2050 targets, and we're quite happy to work with them on that. And I think that this Supreme Court decision gives us the power to exert that at the table. So I'm hopeful that we can actually get back to the table in good faith, that they will rescind any public declaration that they want to proceed with those caps or the electricity grid changes, and then we can get back to, to uh, working towards our shared goals. But I don't think that they, uh, if they are trying to pretend that they somehow still have the right to proceed with those offensive pieces of legislation that are clearly in our jurisdiction, they're fooling themselves. It's illegal, and we're just not going to stand for it. Uh, Mr. Zubo also made a comment about um, the moratorium on renewable and uh, $30 billion backlog of projects in the book, and that somehow, without mentioning you specifically, that you should uh, more or less be glad that they were providing some certainty and clarity around those rules. Oh boy, they just don't stop, do they? That's a joke. Um, Minister Guibault has done more damage to our investment climate in this province than probably any single federal minister I've ever seen. Um, I can tell you that the moratorium um, is just a pause. We're, we're only a few months away from announcing the new rules, and we've been very clear about what it is that we're looking for. We're looking for some certainty that these projects are not going to be built on prime agricultural land or interfere with our beautiful viewscapes. We've also been clear that there has to be a plan for how they're going to be reclaimed at the end because each one of those turbines will cost an estimated $1 million to remove, and we want to make sure that a landowner isn't left footing the bill for that. We want to make sure that we're putting them in a place where we have existing transmission and distribution lines so that we're not unnecessarily adding additional cost. And we have to make sure that there is backup like reliable natural gas in order to be able to bring on and back up unreliable wind and solar. So we are going to continue with a framework that allows for investment in solar and wind. And quite frankly, when we announced the pause, we had $23 billion worth of projects in the queue. We now have $41 billion of solar and wind projects in the queue. So that looks to me like people are still looking at Alberta. They're still excited about the opportunity. They're waiting for some clarity. They'll get that clarity from us 
because it's under our constitutional responsibility. We have the exclusive right, as the Supreme Court determined today, to exercise under Section 92, and that includes electricity, and that's what we'll do. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sean. And Jason, go ahead. Uh, good, still, still morning. Good morning, Premier. Hi. Um, I know it's not your name, but why do you call it the No P- More Pipelines Act? Um, the no, this ruling and you, what you were talking about was things that are exclusively on provincial jurisdiction. Yep. Pipelines, generally speaking, are not. I mean, there are some surely, but. Why do you use that term, No More Pipelines Act? As you saw, I said uh, that it has been called the No More Pipelines Act. That's how the former premier used to refer to it. I I called it the Don't Build Anything Anywhere Anytime Act because I I was very concerned about the ways in which they were interfering in provincial jurisdiction. Um, the intra uh, boundary projects they never had any constitutional authority over, and that includes transmission lines and pipelines that are solely within the boundaries of Alberta. And we do a lot of pipeline construction, but it was the major projects that I was most concerned. They wanted to interfere in SAG D, they wanted to prevent us from building highways, they wanted to prevent us from building ge- uh, power generation plants that were larger than 200 megawatts. And those are the sections that have now been rendered unconstitutional. So. I'm, uh, I'm glad to see that they found the, the right balance. They recognize that we have two orders of government with sovereign powers and exclusive jurisdiction and acknowledge that exclusive jurisdiction on resource development and on um, electricity belongs to us. And when you talk about, you talk about exclusivity, mm-hmm. sovereignty, there are, the Supreme Court ruling was pretty emphatic that exclusive domain is not really a thing in these projects because we're talking about navigable waters migratory birds, species at risk. What to you would make, what to you co- constitutes a sovereign project that Alberta has exclusive jurisdiction over that cannot be scrutinized by the federal government? Well, I can tell you, uh, we need to build more baseload power, more natural gas baseload power. And those projects have been in the order of 800 megawatts to 1,000 megawatts. That's our exclusive right to be able to make decisions on being able to permit and approve those types of projects. I would say that if I want to build the highway between Grand Prairie and Fort McMurray, which is more than 75 kilometers of new road, that's within our exclusive jurisdiction in order to be able to develop. And I would say that if Tech Frontier Mine wants to put in another application, that's also within our exclusive jurisdiction to approve. Those are just three examples that I would give. If they're completely within our borders and we have the ability through our regulatory process to go through our own environmental reviews, then those are the ones that should stay with us. Thank you. And we'll head over to the phones now. Operator, could you please put through the first caller? John Braid, Calgary Herald. Premier, um, could I ask you if you are today declaring that the 2005, uh, 35 rather, electricity uh, net zero and the coming card uh, cap on emissions are simply null and void, invalid, you're not going to go with them, and that you perhaps will bring in a Sovereignty Act declaration? Uh, well, I've heard Jonathan Wilkinson doesn't want to go to court, so um, it seems to me that they've got to withdraw them because they don't have the, the constitutional authority to impose them. And I have already said that uh, they won't work in our province and that we are, are not going to, to be implementing them. We are, we are in alignment on getting to carbon neutrality by 2050. I've talked with our electricity producers and uh, talked to Pathways Group. Uh, they, they, they both believe that, that those uh, targets of 2050 are achievable. That's what we've got to work towards. It's the federal government who keeps on interfering, intervening, and setting unrealistic, um, unachievable, and 
now patently unconstitutional provisions that we've been fighting against. And so I hope that they read this, uh, this judgment in the spirit in which I believe the Supreme Court intended it and come to the table and work with us so that we can align on 2050 targets. And a follow-up, Don? Yes, thank you. Uh, it, the Fed seem to be suggesting that this is just a little, little bit of a legislative glitch and they can come back in and with some uh, amendments that uh, uh, make it just fine again, and then maybe we start going through this whole thing again. But what do you think this decision requires Ottawa to do, since it's not actually, I understand, a declaratory one. It's more of an advisory decision. What does it require them to do? Or should they immediately stop all work on approving projects on private provincial land or by private companies and just release them from all these obligations? Uh, I mean, they don't just turn the lights out in Ottawa because of a court ruling. So what, practically speaking, does it mean or should it mean for people who've got projects in the works? Well, they, they need to remove the sections of the Act that are unconstitutional, that fall within provincial jurisdiction, and they can continue on the project's approval that where they do have jurisdiction. They have jurisdiction over cross-border pipeline projects. They've got jurisdiction over cross-border transmission line projects. That's where they should focus their effort. But they should stop trying to micromanage our affairs in each province. So I think it's pretty clear um, what the court says is is cross-border and therefore under federal jurisdiction and what's uh, completely within our boundaries. And therefore, we take the lead on. Um, Obviously, we have to work together on certain issues, navigable waters being one. But um, we also know from this court decision, we've got the exclusive right to develop our resources, and that includes electricity, and we're going to be exercising that. Thank you. Operator, could you put through our next caller, please? Jasmine King, Global News. Hi there. Um, With the UCP releasing their resolution for the AGM coming up in November, one of those policies includes obtaining the written consent of parents and guardians for changing the name or pronouns uh, used by a student in school. Is the province prepared to use the notwithstanding clause to make this a law at all? Uh, Look, I I support the grassroots process that uh, our members are going through at the party. I'm really excited that uh, we've got, I think, now 2,100 or more delegates, so it's going to be a robust discussion. We'll watch that. And uh, the policy process is is one of the measures that our our cabinet and caucus use in making a decision. But we also confer with stakeholders and we also talk to Albertans. And so I want to see how the debate goes. And then we'll we'll make some decisions once we see uh, whether or not it passes. And did you have a follow-up, Jasmine? Uh, No, I don't. Thank you. Operator, could you put through our next caller here, please? Lisa Johnson, Edmonton Journal. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my question, Premier. Um, You've pointed out and you've argued here that this ruling essentially uh, sets sets these projects as being exclusively under provincial jurisdiction. But in the decision, the Chief Justice said very explicitly, and I'm going to quote here, he said, the fact that a project involves activities primarily regulated by the provincial legislatures does not create an enclave of exclusivity, end quote. In other words, while he said the he wrote that the the legislation was overbroad, it doesn't the ruling doesn't give immunity to the province from federal law. Can you respond to that? Well, look, I mean, I have responded to that with our 2050 target to get to carbon neutral. That, that's my acknowledgement that the federal government 
does have a right to set an overarching framework for the entire country as we try to reduce emissions. I'm being very proactive. I'm being um, very collaborative. They're the ones who are going too far. And I, I guess if we, we can keep on battling this out in the Supreme Court to find out exactly where the line is, but I'm asking for the, province, for the federal government to accept that there is exclusive provincial jurisdiction, jurisdiction under the Constitution, accept that that's what the language of the Constitution says, and to work with us on, on those areas of shared priority. They cannot just drop new policy on our head and make us spend another six years going through the court to be told once again that they've been acting illegally. So um, that's what I hope does not happen. I think that it's pretty clear what the court has said. They want to see us work collaboratively, and that is not acting in the way that Stephen Stephen Guibault has been. So if there's a new spirit of coming together in cooperation to align our goals around a 2050 emissions target, then I think, we, I think we'll be able to get somewhere. But if they think that they're going to tinker with this and keep us tied up for the next six years, well, I can tell you, we, we're, we're just not going to put up with that. And did you have a follow-up, Lisa? Thanks, yeah. And you, you also mentioned today that the legislation, you suggested the legislation is already responsible for the loss of tens of billions of dollars in investment. Um, are, and you brought up the Tech Frontier Mine, which is an interesting example to me. Are you aware of any project that has been explicitly stymied or held up or canceled because of impact assessments under this legislation rather than just simple economic considerations? Well, of course, it's only been a couple of hours since we got the ruling down, so we can, uh, we can follow up with you on identifying uh, projects. There, there have been many companies who've said that because they don't know if they can navigate through the regulatory process, that they've, they've pulled the plug. I mean, that was the story that Energy East told us. They'd spent, I think, $10 billion on the project and couldn't see a, a way through to get to the, maybe $1 billion on the project, couldn't see a way through to get to the finish line. That's what happens when you have regulatory uncertainty. That's what happens when you, you just don't know if you're going to be able to get, get to a yes. And so um, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be happy to get my, uh, our officials to follow up with you on, on projects that we think ended up either not going forward or got pulled because they couldn't figure out where, where the, uh, the decision-making authority lay. Thank you. And but I can have... tell you this. We have almost zero uh, projects in the queue for natural gas. And that, to me, is a direct result of the federal government interfering in our market and creating uncertainty about whether or not such projects would be able to go ahead. Under normal circumstances, we're a natural gas basin. We've got 12,000 megawatts of natural gas on our grid. Why in the world would I only have 41,000 megawatts of solar and wind in the queue and virtually no natural gas? That is absolutely underscoring why nobody wants to invest in natural gas in our province. That is 100% because of the uncertainty that the federal government created from this act. So how many of those projects, how many projects would be there if they hadn't created that uncertainty? I don't know if I can calculate that, but I know it would be a heck of a lot more than zero than, that we have right now. And thank you. We just have time for one more quick question from the room, and then we'll be wrapping for today. You might want to bring in a motion in the House under the Sovereignty Act. Can you expand more on what that might look like, what it might entail, and what it incorporates? Yeah, it would be the, uh, given that the Supreme Court of Canada has acknowledged our, our jurisdiction to develop our resources and our electricity, therefore... And then it would go from there. Uh, and it would be in direct response if the federal government decides to continue forward with their unconstitutional clean electricity regulations, their unconstitutional emissions cap, and their unconstitutional methane cap. So it falls in their court. Look, I don't want to do that. I would rather be collaborative. It's why I, 
It's why when I spoke to the Prime Minister, my very first conversation, I said I was aligned with his 2050 target. It's why I asked him to wait until we did our own emissions reduction plan. We did. It's why I asked him to wait until we did abatement curves with S&P Global. We have that information. It's why I asked for us to have a joint table so that we could discuss these things, which we do. Um, I've taken the initiative on all of this because I want to be collaborative. They want to be unilateral, and they've now just been told you can't do that. So I'm hoping that they are mindful of this court decision, that they respect it, and that they'll come to the table and work with us on, on shared goals. But what is it that the government would not enforce under the guise of the Sovereignty Act? I mean, the Sovereignty Act isn't just saying we will not, this will not occur in our lands. It's about enforcement provincially of the law. So how would that, in, in it, that respect, the, anything you say about the Sovereignty Act regarding C69 or CER impact that? Are you talking about ASO will not be any part of it or what? Explain well, that, please. We're going to build natural gas plants. That's a pr- you know, the Sorry, ex- explain that. Until, until you do, a lot of people will reasonably say that this is just bluster. How does it a- a- apply to provincial enforcement? You'll see, Jason. Rules? You'll see. You'll see. I mean, it's... Uh, we are going to assert our jurisdiction. We know we have a problem with our electricity power grid being unstable because it almost failed eight times in the last year. We know that we need to bring on more natural gas, and we will do um, a com- we will we will commission more natural gas, um, and it will be very clear that we have the constitutional authority to do that. And I suppose they can step in and say, "No, you can't," and try to take us to a court again and uh, drag this out for another six years. But I think the court ruling is pretty clear today. We are open for business. We have the ability to approve projects, and we're going to approve them. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for questions today. Thanks, everyone.